title of our lesson tonight is Three Rich Men. When you start thinking about rich people, it's usually in our minds sort of like when we say someone is old. When you think of someone old, when you are 20 years old, it's somebody 40. When you're 40 years old, it's someone 60. When you're 60 years old, it's someone 80. When you're 80 years old, there's nobody there to point to. <laughs> no, I, but the truth is, when you think about richness, most of us tend to think of people who are multimillionaires. The truth is, every one of us here tonight not only are rich spiritually, we are rich financially as well. Every one of us here tonight in the, are probably in the upper 5% of the world's population in what we have and the food we enjoy to eat and the, the homes that we live in and our means of transportation. And you know, when you think about that and you go to the Bible and the Bible speaks about rich people, we tend to say, that's somebody else, that's not me. And the Bible speaks about the problems that rich people endure or go through and the problems their riches brings. For instance, when Paul is writing Timothy, he tells him in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, he said, But those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. It's almost like our money, our wealth is drowning us. And then you get to verse 17, he says, command or charge those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy focus your appreciation on God for what you have Matthew 19 verses 23 and 24 Jesus said to his disciples assuredly I say to you it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The reality is, is that rich people often fail to appreciate the need for God. They feel, I've got everything I need. And so there is the warning of such. But let me admonish you that not all rich people are evil. In fact, some rich people are good people. When you go to Genesis chapter 13 and verse 2, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Or you think about Job 1 and verse 3. It says that his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Job was a wealthy man. Matthew 27, verse 57, you learn about Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich man who gave his own personal tomb for the Lord to be buried in. This evening, I want to look at three rich men. Uh, I found this outline several weeks ago as I was reading through a sermon outline book by Brother Bill Flatt. He spoke here in 1990, he along with his brothers in a gospel meeting. Brother Flatt had a wonderful way of expressing himself. And uh, in this outline, he talked about a burdened man, 
a businessman and a buried man and how each of them were wealthy in their own ways and how they dealt with the Lord and with that wealth. The first one is found in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. So let's look at that passage together. Now as he was going out the road, one came and knelt, be, uh, running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, "You one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now let me observe a couple of things here. Number one was his search. It says that he was here evidently looking for Jesus because he came running and knelt. He's looking for Jesus and it takes some great effort on his part to get there. But he's also looking for eternal life because he asked the Lord, What must I do that I may inherit eternal life? The Lord's solution to him was simple. You have to get rid of what's the hindrance in your life. Sell what you have. And his sorrow was he went away thinking, that's just too much to give up. I can give some, but giving it all, that's too much. That's giving more than I am willing to give. You think about a man here who's burdened. He's carrying around his wealth with him like a burden and he doesn't realize it. He doesn't realize if he laid that burden down, he could have the very thing that he was seeking for. And that was eternal life. Now let's go to Luke chapter 12 for just a few minutes. We want to look at verses 16 through 20. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store my, all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Now, if you look at this man, this is a different man than the previous one. The Lord here was telling a parable. He says, The ground of a certain rich man. He's talking about a, an illustration here. This man had a problem. The ground of this rich man brought forth more than normal. In fact, it brought so much that he didn't have a place to store everything. 
So he had a problem, but then he had a proposal. Here's what I'm going to do. He said, I am going to tear down the barns that I have, and I'm going to build greater barns. I'm going to have more storage for the goods that I have provided. You think about that about a rich man. He had barns. The barns that he had was sufficient for his needs and then some. But he made so much he didn't know what to do with all that he had produced. And so I've got to build bigger barns. He's got a selfish heart. He's not thinking about giving. He's thinking about keeping. And he said, I'll be satisfied with this. I'll say, soul, you have much good laid up for many years. Take your ease. Just enjoy what you have. But then you have the third thing, the pronouncement of God, and that was that he was a fool. Because you see this businessman here, as he looks and he says, what God is asking me to give here is not something I want to give. It's too hard to give. And so he's going to end up leaving it to someone else. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? In Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 18 and 19, Solomon said, Then I hated all my labor which I have toiled under the sun because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will have rule over all my labor in which I have toiled myself and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Do you know how much you're going to leave of every possession you have? All of it. Who are you going to leave it to? You say, well, I'm going to leave it to my children. What are your children going to do with it? Enjoy it. And you say, well, is that, you know, I worked so hard and, and yet it was gone so quickly. The third is a buried man. Let's look at Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. You'll be very familiar with this parable. It's the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. He's a buried man because the majority of what we learn is while he's dead and what he's thinking about and what he wants to do. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the beggar died, and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented Besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, 
and nor can those pass from there to, to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. When you start looking at this man, you start seeing several things. Number one, you see in his person, he didn't care. He wasn't moved that there was a man sitting at his gate who was so hungry that he just wanted the crumbs. He didn't want the steak. He didn't want the baked potato with the trimmings. He didn't want his bread. He just wanted the crumbs, what he was throwing out. He was a man who was suffering with physical maladies so bad that the dogs came and licked his sores. He's poor. He's pitiful. Proverbs 19.17 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Chapter 28, verse 27 He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Rich man didn't care. He didn't lend to the poor. The second thing that you observe from the passage is his pains. His torment was real. When he lifted up his eyes in torment, saw where he was, saw what he was enduring, the Bible says that he described his torment and pain so bad that just the tip of the finger of Lazarus touched the water and touched his tongue would bring him some relief. Whenever I read this, I often think about those whom I visited in the hospital and they're not permitted to drink and they say, well, just give me a little piece of ice. Let me put a little piece of ice on my tongue and I'll be satisfied. And the doctors say, no, we'll give you one of these glycerin swabs and they, you know, that stuff that tastes real nasty, you know. I remember one time my mother went in and she said, you taste of this. It's awful. A person just wants a little bit of relief. That's all he wanted. His pain was real. His petition, cool my tongue, send to my brothers. Every request that he made was refused. Here's a rich man begging and Abraham says, no, it's not possible. Won't be done. Now here's the buried man's predicament. It's too late. Oh, you could have made changes earlier, but you enjoyed your wealth. You saw no one else but yourself. You are a selfish person. Now, you take all three of these rich men and they represent the stages in life that many people go through. I realize they're three separate men, but you think about the young, sometimes they're like this rich young ruler. And someone says, you have got to give up what you have to be able to serve the Lord. And they're like, that's too much to ask. Here I am, I'm young and I've got my whole life ahead of me and I want to build myself a life of wealth. What you've done, you've said, that's what's important to me. 
and you put the Lord down and he's no longer what's important to you. Then you look at the businessman. Here's a man perhaps later on in life and he started building a life and everything is doing well and now it's said, you need to give and that's too hard. Look what I've already built. Look what I already have. And I can't give because it's too much. And then the buried man, oh, would he give then? Absolutely. Everything he had not to be in that place of torment. What a warning you have in the Bible there. You know, one of the things that you start hearing when you're young is you need to start saving for retirement. You need to start saving for retirement. Don't wait too long. You don't want to wait till you're an old person and then start trying to save and then you don't have enough years to save and you don't have enough to prepare for. I want you to think about the treasures in heaven. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moss nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Now here's the kicker line. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Make sure that you put your treasure in the right place. Tonight, if you need to become a Christian... And there's something hindering you. You need to get that out of the way. It may be the the possessions you have. That you placed them in such a place that you need to take care of that. I think about the eunuch in Acts chapter 8. Who said, see here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? In his case... If you believe with all your heart, you may. It may be tonight that's who you are. You need to simply come and confess your faith in Christ, repenting of your sins and being baptized. And it's very possible that you're here tonight as a Christian. It may not be tonight's lesson. It may have been something that we, you learned in class this morning. It may have been something that you read studying your Bible this past week. That You recognize I am... An undone man, to use the words of Isaiah. I need God's forgiveness. Well, if you do, we can pray with you and we can pray for you tonight. Would you come while together we stand and sing?